0: In your name we pray. Amen. Jeremiah chapter 24. Now, after King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon exiled Jehokin, son of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, to Babylon, along with the officials of Judah and all of the craftsmen and the artisans, the Lord gave me this vision. I saw two baskets of figs placed in front of the Lord's temple in Jerusalem. One basket was filled with fresh, ripe figs, while the other was filled with bad figs that were just too rotten to eat. And the Lord said to me, what do you see, Jeremiah? And I replied, this, figs. Some are very good and some are bad, too rotten to eat. And then the Lord gave me this message. This is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. The good figs represent the exiles. I sent from Judah to the land of the Babylonians. I will watch over and I will care for them. I will bring them back here again. I will build them up and not tear them down. I will plant them and not uproot them. I will give them hearts that recognize me as the Lord. They will be my people and I will be their God. For they will return to me wholeheartedly. Now remember, these are the people that are going into exile. And he says this in verse 8, But the bad figs, the Lord says, represent those that King Zedekiah of Judah, his officials, and all the people left in Jerusalem, and those who live in Egypt, I will treat them like bad figs, too rotten to eat. I will make them an object of horror and a symbol of evil to every nation on earth. They will be disgraced and mocked and taunted and cursed. And wherever I scatter them, and I will send War and famine and disease until they have vanished from the land of Israel, which I gave them and their ancestors. Now, Jeremiah the prophet said to all the people in Judah and Jerusalem, For the past 23 years, from the 13th year of the reign of Josiah, son of Ammon, king of Judah, until now, the Lord has been giving me his messages. I have faithfully passed them on to you, but you have not listened. Again and again, the Lord has sent you his servants, the prophets, but you have, lis- you have not listened or even paid attention. Each time the message was this, turn from your evil road that you are traveling on and the evil things that you're doing only then will I let you live in this land that the Lord gave to you and your ancestors forever. Do not provoke my anger by worshiping idols that you have made with your own hand. So here it is. Uh, Jeremiah, he's been preaching. He's been preaching for 23 years. He's been telling the people that this is getting ready to happen. Nothing has happened. People aren't listening to him. Now all of a sudden we get in chapter 24 and we see that King Nebuchadnezzar has come in. Everything that Jeremiah has been talking about is getting ready to happen. It's happening, it's at the present. And so people are kind of listening to Jeremiah for the first time. Like, whoa, 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 whoa. This guy has been saying this for 23 years. For 23 years, the same message over and over again. I mean, y'all think I'm repetitive. Like this guy had one message and he's been preaching it day in and day out, week in and week out, and no one has listened to him. 23 years with little to no success, the people have dismissed him. Jeremiah was the crazy guy, but now all of a sudden things start to happen and Jeremiah's not looking so crazy anymore. Now all of a sudden, whoa, 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 hold on. Maybe there's something to what this dude has been saying for the last couple decades that we have just ignored, 23 years. I remember... Uh, A few years ago, we had a hurricane here, and there was a gentleman that was preparing for the hurricane. And he had one of those cars that the tires were just super huge and, you know, 24-inch rims, and the car was jacked up real high. And he said, you know what? Nothing is going to happen to my car. So he built these ramps, and he put his car on the front porch of his house. The front porch was about three feet high, and he took a picture of it, and he's like, I'm ready for the storm. Well, this thing went viral. Like, some of y'all remember the picture. The guy, and he had his car on the porch, three feet in the air, and everybody began to mock him. Everybody said, you are such a fool. What are you doing? Do you know how much water it would take? I mean, your car is already jacked up. You're going to put it three foot above it. And it turned into one of those memes. And like literally millions of people saw this. It went viral. Millions of people saw it and were just making fun of him, telling him how stupid he was. Well, the storm came. And I don't know what it was. Some dams broke and some things happened. And that water rose. And it rose and it rose and it rose till it was about an inch underneath his front porch. And so he goes out there and he takes a picture now. And in the caption it says, who's the fool now? Right? That's exactly what Jeremiah's feeling like. For 23 years, he's been parking his car on the porch and everyone thinks he's a fool until it happens. Until what you didn't think could happen happens. That moment, I remember when YouTube first got started, I remember people saying, who would ever want to watch YouTube? Who wants to watch a bunch of videos that amateurs are making? And that company is going nowhere. I mean, Amazon, that company, no way. Just they're selling books online. Books. They're so last year. Who wants to buy some stock in that? Or, or, Or the car? No, no, no. Forget that, Henry Ford, we just want our horses. And all of these people look like a fool. Nobody wants to hear them until something happens. And wait a minute, hold on, 23 years of being dismissed. 23 years, 23 years of paying insurance premiums where you're like, man, why? It's so expensive year after year. I'm not gonna pay this thing. Until one night, in the middle of the night, you realize, I'm sure glad that I paid that bill. 23 years he's been preaching this message, and then the unexpected happens, and the Babylonians come in, and they're starting to haul people away into captivity. All of this happening, Jeremiah doesn't, doesn't, he isn't being mocked as much anymore. Um, The other day, I had an idea. Now, this is something that, if you know me, I have lots of ideas. I mean, we could talk about any subject, anything in the world, and my brain will start racing, and I will start thinking of, of just, oh, well, what if we did that, and what if you did that, and, and how you could, and, and I'm just full of all of these ideas, and it drives my wife crazy. But, and I've learned this about me, though. 99% of my ideas are horrible. But it takes going through the 99 horrible ideas to get to that one good idea. It's just part of my process of going through all of this to get to it. And, and, and so I'm thinking, and, and I have this idea, and I'm like, ooh, I've got, I've got to tell somebody about this. And usually Devin is the person I go to. And I I like, listen, babe, I've got this idea. And check this out. And so I start talking to her. And I'm just so excited. And, and, and she's not looking excited. And I say, hey, "But this and this and this. And then and and she looks at me and she's like, but I've been telling you that for the last 15 years. And I'm like, I don't think so. I'm pretty sure this was my idea. I came up with it. And Jeremiah's been saying this year after year, and even when people start listening to him, they're like, no. Even in the midst of them being hauled away into captivity, they still can't hear this man. They still don't want to hear the message that the prophet has because it doesn't line up with what they want. See, what they want is getting in, interfering with even what they're seeing. They can't believe that this is happening. And Jeremiah's like, listen, I've been preaching this for 23 years. And listen, it's been the same message time after time. Turn from the evil road that you've been traveling and from the evil things that you have been doing. So in one word, it's repent. See, I've been, I've been, I've been preaching this message of repentance for 23 years, 23 years, just repent. Y'all are going down the wrong road. Y'all need to repent. I mean, this is something that you just see time and time again when you look at the prophets in the Bible. Probably one of the most famous ones, John the Baptist, right? Just, just this guy out in the middle of the wilderness, crying out, dressed all crazy. He's got locusts and honey, and he's dipping honey and locust. That's like the original Chick-fil-A right there, and he's just eating them and he's crying in the woods. just repent 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 and you have this other prophet and I think it's kind of amazing that you have one guy that's in a desert place and people are coming from all over to hear him and you have another guy that's in the middle of a city that's crying out and nobody can hear him And I think about that, and it just lets me know that sometimes as people, when we're going through things, we want to blame our surroundings. We want to blame our circumstances. We want to say, this is the reason why I can't be obedient to what you're saying to do, Lord. And the Bible just shows us, listen, it doesn't matter if you're in a city. It doesn't matter if you're in the desert. It doesn't matter if everybody's listening to you. It doesn't matter if nobody's listening to you. You have got to be obedient to the word of the Lord. And Jeremiah's being obedient. And his obedience has had 23 years of, for the most part, deaf ears. And and John is being obedient. And both messages are the same. Repent. When you are obedient to the word of God, God will make a way. God will make a way. To be obedient to his spirit. It doesn't matter if you're in a city or a desert. It doesn't matter if you're on the top of the mountain Or if you're in the lowest valley, God will make a way. Obedience. To not just be obedient, though, but to be consistent with your message. Jeremiah is saying, listen, I've been preaching the same thing 23 years. There's consistency. John the Baptist, when you went to hear him, it was the same message. Repent. Consistency over the long haul. These are prophets. These are men that were not easily swayed by whatever was culturally relevant to the day. See, because Jeremiah is preaching to a people that, man, they had it going on. Things were good in Jerusalem. Things were good. The the temple and and all the gold and the shining, and life is good, and, and, and things are great. And these people had just thought, no, there's no way any of that could happen. And yet, Jeremiah's saying, listen, I know what's going on around you. I don't care what the culture looks like. I don't care how well the stock market's doing. Listen, I'm telling you, the message is still the same. Repent. John the Baptist, same message, consistency over the long haul. And then this idea of, man, there's a conviction that Jeremiah has that we have to have. A conviction in his spirit. He actually gets to the point, because he's saying, listen, I've been given the same message time and time again. He gets to a point where, because he's like quit, like 17 times. And he, this one time where he's quit, he's just like, I made the decision, I'm not going to speak the word of the Lord anymore. He's just like, I'm done. I can't do it. He said, but then this happened. It was like fire in my bones. I didn't want to do it because nobody's even listening to me, and I feel like a failure, but there was this fire in my bones that I just had to speak it. I just had to do it. I just had to tell. So I just, I couldn't hold it back anymore. I mean, we've got to get that in us Christians we have to got to get some of that fire in our bones that we can say, even when we want to quit, I can't quit. Amen. Even when I feel like I've said the message a thousand times, I'm going to say it a thousand and one. Even when no one's listening or if everybody's listening, I've got something in me that I just, I know it's from God and the world needs to hear this, Amen. to have some conviction. Now, I don't want to go too much on this because I want to do a whole series on this. To understand the difference between a conviction and a preference. See, most of us, like, we think that, oh, like, I don't want to get into it. That's a whole other sermon. I will go off script. But be ready for that one, the difference between convictions and preferences. Obedience to the Spirit, consistency over the long haul, conviction in your soul. And it might take 23 years of nobody listening. You've got to go into this with that type of understanding. I mean, when the Lord says, behold, I come quickly, it's been a couple thousand years, y'all. His idea and definition of quickly, a little bit different from ours. All right, Jeremiah, I got something for you. Jeremiah, I think it's going to happen tomorrow, 23 years later. I remember even just this week, just praying this and thinking, God, you know, some of these words that you give us, like, is it for my lifetime or is it for my kids or is it for my grandkids? I remember just like, God, I, 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 need, I need to know, I need to know. Am I going to have to wait 23 years to see some of these things unfold? That you're, And I just, there was this part of me that I felt like the Lord said, but would it make a difference? Would it make a difference if it was just in, would, would you get, just get caught up in you because you knew it wasn't going to happen in your lifetime? And you'd leave your kids to deal with it or your grandkids? If you knew that it'd take 70 years later for something to happen, would it affect the way and the message that I gave you now? If I would have told Jeremiah 23 years earlier that it's gonna take all of this time, would it have changed the message? No, it's still the exact same thing. See, prophets have this pattern. Uh, for the most part, just about everyone there. Could, there could be somebody in there. I couldn't find one that part of their message is repent. Every time you look at these prophets, you see them, there, there's this saying of like, just draw back to God. Turn from the road that you're walking on. Uh, it, it, it's, it's in there just in different ways. Just repent. And, and I think it's, it's kind of essential to the message of the prophet. It's kind of like my, uh, my sister-in-law, she, she bakes all these cakes and and when you're baking a cake, there's certain essentials to baking. You've got to have some flour and you've got to have some water. I think repentance is kind of an essential to prophecy. It's one of those things that we don't like to talk about, we don't want to hear about it. A lot like these people in Jerusalem, we just want to say, ah, no, no. We want to focus on the frosting because the frosting is where the flavor's at. Oh, it's so good. There's chocolate. And there's vanilla and there's Rocky Road and there's all of these different beautiful flavors that we could have. And so we want to focus on the frosting. Lucas, will you get to Jeremiah 29, 11 already? Because man, we love that frosting. Like no one ever takes a big bite of cake and is like, man, that is some good flour. <laughs> that is the best flour. But if that flour wasn't in there, that, taste, that cake wouldn't taste as good. If that repentance element wasn't in there, man, we just want to live our life on frosting. We want to live our lives saying, I I, I kind of want to do away with some of these things that are actually the essentials. I mean, no kid ever came home and was like, hey, Dad, just want to say I really appreciate you paying that electric bill. That electric's nice, Dad. That running water, nailed it. Right? Because, like, we forget about the essentials and, and I and I would say listen that repentance this message that Jeremiah has given us like we just want to focus on the frosting and the thing is like and we're going to get to Jeremiah 29 11 but thing is you got to understand that scripture inside the context because if you un, if you don't understand what God's saying outside of the context you actually won't get what he's saying because it means a little bit different than what some of us have been taught and he's saying, he's saying that all of this. Listen, I've been saying the same message for, for all of these years. And here, let me give you this illustration. And he tells this, this prophetic picture of these, these figs, these two baskets of figs. And there's, there's a basket of good figs, and there's a basket of bad figs. And some are just so bad that you can't eat them, and some you can. And, and the Lord's like, well, okay, Jeremiah, well, what, what do you see? And he tells them what it represents. And, and, and the good ones? Now, this is where it really gets interesting. The good ones represent those people that are getting hauled away into captivity. Whoa, 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 hold on. You mean the bad ones, right? Because if you're getting hauled into captivity, that's a bad thing. Because if something bad happens, that means, God, you must be angry with us. And God's like, no, no, no. Those that are getting hauled away, those are the good ones. And, and everyone that, that's left, the kings that are left behind, and, and those that are here in Jerusalem, those are actually the bad figs. Because this is crazy because if you were there in this moment when all of this is happening and people were getting hauled away into captivity, there would be this element of like, oh, we got left behind. We are more blessed. We, we, we didn't have to leave our homes. We're still here in Jerusalem. And for those that are getting hauled away into captivity, they must have done something wrong. The Lord loves us a little bit more. The tornado came down and it missed my house. So I am more blessed than my neighbor. And, and, and the cancer report, and it, it came back that I have it, and so God, some, what did I do wrong? And, and, and we don't want to admit it, but there's this element to that that we've been taught and we've been trained that if something bad happens, that, that God is somehow, oh, well, you've done something wrong. We must have never read the Book of Job, right? And Jeremiah saying, listen, look, all these things, you think that you're the chosen one, actually, the ones that are left behind, you are the rotten fruit. See, Jeremiah shows us, listen, the way that you've been thinking about all this is actually completely wrong. The ones that are being hauled away into captivity, God's going to bless those. The ones here, the scriptures actually would call it at ease in Zion, you don't want to know what's in store. And the people still don't want to hear this message. We don't want to hear this message today because it's so much easier to just look at our surroundings and say, well, there's these things, the, the hurricane us, the tornado spirits, the riots didn't happen here, there was a tsunami there. The reason why all of those people got killed is because they did something fill in the blank. God loves me more. And when bad things happen, our world gets shattered because we don't know how to react to it. And is saying, listen, you're associating the love of God with the acquisition of stuff or whether or not bad things are happening to you or whether or not you're being spared and you're comparing yourselves to other people, your very brothers and sisters. And is saying, that type of thinking is rotten to the core. And it's the same type of thinking that we still have in the church today. We're still being taught this, that this is what the blessing looks like, and all of this will work out. And if something bad happens, ah, you must have done something wrong, completely contrary to what the scriptures are telling us. And and, and it's so hard to see this sometimes because this teaching is so destructive, and it's masked underneath a lot of spiritual jargon. And so we use a lot of words like, oh, he's just so blessed. But do you, do you realize, like, God is good all the time? God is good no matter what the report says. God is good whether the tornado takes my house or doesn't take my house. God's love for me doesn't change. That God can work all things out for the good. And Jeremiah's message is completely countercultural it, back then, and it still is now. And even to those, he's saying, listen, all of you people that are being hauled into captivity, understand, like, God loves you. He's actually going to bless you right there. You are going to be fruitful, and you're going to multiply, and I'm going to bring you back to this place. Now, it's going to take 70 years. As a matter of fact, some of you guys ain't gonna make it back. Some of you guys, this is gonna be for your children and your children's children. But understand that this is the way it's going down. Don't think that I'm mad at you, I'm actually going to bless you. Now, here's where it gets even more interesting that Jeremiah is not just teaching this, and he's not just talking about this prophecy. He is living it out, because as the people are getting hauled away, Jeremiah stays in Jerusalem. Jeremiah is amongst those that he said, these are the bad figs. Jeremiah finds himself a captive inside the gates, and later on, even when he tries to leave, they think he's deserting, they bring him back, no, 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 you're in prison here, and he finds himself living amongst the rotten figs. See, the best prophets don't just speak it, they live it. They don't just speak it, they live it. The men and the women that God uses, they're living this day in and day out. And I love the fact that Jeremiah is living this. And I love it because Jeremiah, he's such a whiner. You know, a lot of people call him the crying prophet. That's a nice way of saying whiner because he's, he's constantly whining. On one hand, you find him, and he's, just, he's this powerful man of God, and he's given the word of the Lord, and then another verse later, he's just like, God, just kill all my enemies. Just take my life. It's over. I quit. And, and I love this, because I mean, we just, we just see that even going through it, he felt the emotional tug. He felt the pain of everything that he was saying very much It wasn't just some kind of idea. He lived it day in and day out. He said, when I tell the people this, like I am part of this. Understand my message has been just to repent, to turn, to stop walking this road. And then it says this in Scripture, say, listen, you've been worshiping all of these idols that you've made with your hands. And I got to thinking, we love to worship the stuff that we make. We love to worship the things, the the labor of our hands. We could build really big houses and really big buildings. And, And we could go to work and we could work really hard and we could build a certain type of life or we could build, and we begin to worship those things that we make instead of worshiping the one who makes us. And God's saying, you got it backwards. Like all of this, this work of your hands, all of these beautiful things, you're turning them into idols. And for 23 years, the people have ignored it and dismissed it and for 23 years Jeremiah has parked his car on the front porch and just now people are starting to listen but even in the midst of it even in the midst of seeing their friends and family being hauled away they still can't hear but this has nothing to do with America in two, 2021 and what the Lord is doing. See, sometimes all of the things that we say, oh, this pandemic and, and the things that are happening, do we not realize, like, all of this is God saying, listen, if you'll just come back to me. Because if you'll come back to me, even the very things that, that, that we call not being blessed and the pain and the suffering, listen, this is, this is the outcome of that. I will give them hearts that recognize me as the Lord. They will be my people. I will be, my, I will be their God, and they will return to me wholeheartedly. Sometimes we've got to go through it. See, the, the Bible gives us this picture of Jesus taking absolutely ugly things and making them beautiful. He could take a pandemic. He could take a tornado. He could take something called a cross, which was a medieval torture device, which is the worst way for any sinner to die, any criminal to die. And he could take that and say, you know what? Watch me make it something beautiful. Watch me, the one who knew no sin, become sin, that there might be life. In death, there is life. Even in you being hauled off in captivity, there is hope. I'm going to ask everyone to stand to their feet. I'm going to ask the worship team to come back up. Uh, Alan, if we could sing that song, Living Hope. Just for a moment, if you'll bow your head, close your eyes. Where have you put your hope in? I mean, take a minute and really think through that question. Where have we put our hope? Have we put our hope in a dollar, in a president, in a government, in the work of our hands, in the things that we've made? in our pastor, in our spouse, in our plan? Has God been echoing through the years this idea of just turn to me, return to me wholeheartedly? It's hard to convince someone to return to a place they thought they never left. And yet God says time and time again, "Just, just come on, they'll be my people, I'll be their God. He loves you. No matter what you're going through, no matter what pain and hurt you've been experiencing, the message is so simple, Jesus loves you. He loves you so much that he died for you. He stepped out of heaven and into humanity and lived and breathed and moved among us and showed us a picture of like, this is how I created you to live. I created you to walk on water. I created you to have faith to move mountains. I created you to lift up what little you have and watch it get multiplied. If you want life, you've got to lose it. If you're in the room this morning and you don't know him, don't let another moment go by. I mean, if anything, that, that tornado showed us that like it's not supposed to happen in the wintertime, it's not supposed to happen at the beach, You just never know. There's a father who loves you. Come home, my son, my daughter. If you're in the room, I just ask you to lift your hand real high in the air to say, you know what? I just need Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Is there anybody else? I don't want anyone to miss this moment. I'm going ask everyone to repeat this prayer with me. Lord Jesus, God, I repent, Lord, I need you in my life, God, I am yours, God, you are mine. Fill me with your spirit, fill me with your love, Lord, that anger, take it away. Come, Lord Jesus. Lord God, in this moment, for that gentleman that raised his hand, Lord God, I just pray that your Holy Spirit fall. Lord, that there would be healing for him and his family. Lord, for the fears in his heart. Lord, that he would find himself like that man crying out to you saying, I believe, help my unbelief. Lord, that he is a brand new creation in Christ this day. The old is past, the new has come. Be with him, Lord God. Guys, can we give it up? We had someone in the house this morning they gave their life to Jesus. Come on, a little bit better than that.